Today on Mixtapes, we have our first podcast host as a guest. He is a co-host of OVPR Vantage Point, which is a retro wrestling podcast. He's also a musician. Looking forward to learning so much more about him today. Welcome to the show, Mr. Joe Murata. How are you doing today, sir? Eric, thank you very much. Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Right on, man. Hey, before we start, I'm a huge fan of the show. Um, Patreon supporter. Love the show. Uh, just want to say thanks for coming on, man. It, it, it definitely means a lot. And uh, the first question I always like asking, and this will be interesting, too, because we're going to kind of go two sides on this. Um, do you remember your first music memory that got you wanting to play music? Yeah. The Paul McCartney Put It There special, which came out in 89 before he launched uh, Flowers in the Dirt. My dad recorded it off Showtime. And I remember watching the VHS tape of it over and over again when I was about five, six years old. And that was it. And you just knew. Now, you uh, did you pick up guitar as your first instrument? What was your first instrument? My first instrument was piano. My grandmother was a piano player on my dad's side. My dad was a piano player. So we had a piano in our house and at my grandparents' house. So I played a lot of piano growing up. I took lessons a couple years. And I got into guitar probably when I was 10, 11 years old. Okay. And then, so I'm assuming when you took lessons for piano, sheet, sheet music reading and stuff like that. Yeah. And I did it for about two years and I just, honestly, the age I was seven, eight, nine, I just got bored of it. I wanted to do other things. So I stopped, but I never stopped playing, you know, yeah, and you probably weren't learning stuff you wanted to learn at that age either. Right. I mean, I, no, cause what kid is right. I mean, you're, you're learning these rudimentary songs and you're learning the bass clef, which no one wants to learn, you know, no. <laughs> it's boring as hell. <laughs> It's so, it's so true but you're you're one of those players though that if i took the sheet music away from you you could still play yeah i mean i'd prefer not to have it to begin with give me tabs all day and i'll be fine but <laughs> speaking my language man what a game changer tabs were oh my god seriously so much easier for people to learn so when you get into guitar at like you said like 10 11 years old who were some of the influences you were listening to that made you really want to like pick up the guitar and play the I, was, I got into Green Day at a young age for, you know, I was like nine. It was right after Dookie came out. Okay. And I really loved, I didn't know what the hell the lyrics were about, you know, but I really <laughs> loved the sound of the guitars and I loved the sound of the harmonies that they would do on Dookie. A lot of songs have really tight um, harmonies. So anyway, uh, that's what I wanted to sound like. But when you're playing a, you know, a three-quarter scale harmony guitar into a very old amp with no distortion or anything, not even knowing what distortion is. I didn't play like that for several years. It's amazing how when you get your first guitar, your first amp, like I got a little Marshall, I got like a Fender Squire Strat and I got a Marshall 12 watt. And I was thinking like for me, I was like an Eddie Van Halen guy and you know, sure. there's a lot of metal when I was a kid and I was like, why doesn't it sound like the record? And I didn't realize <laughs> exactly. like, Oh, because I need a distortion pedal. Okay. And that's like that, you know, those building blocks, like you learn like, oh, a wah pedal. That's what makes, gets that Hendrix sound or, or whatever you're looking for. Right. Exactly. And at nine years old, 10 years old, I can't just go on the internet and look that up, you know, whereas now it's so much easier. Oh my God. The, between YouTube, you know, and all the product stuff, Instagram and all those things, it's amazing that you almost don't need a music store in a way, which I'm, a, I'm, a, I, personally love mom and pop music stores but it's sure. it's amazing how you can just watch people do demos and go i really like how that sounds you know guitars are a little different but amps and pedals yep i mean you don't i mean i remember going into stores and trying stuff out or they wouldn't have it and yeah it, it, that's definitely changed definitely changed the playing field for sure now did you uh did you venture into playing in any bands or any of that stuff when you were growing up yeah, I had a couple of bands. Uh, when I was 16, I was in my first band. It was called Downplayed, and we were like a pop punk band. The The guitarist and singer, I played bass for that band. Um, the guitarist and singer was really into the band Mest, which I was not about at all. So it, it, I didn't like it very much. We were a band for about six months. We played a one gig, Battle of the Bands. Uh, and then when I was 18, in, until my early 20s, we had a, a much better band, Four Piece. I was also the bass player and the singer there. And we played kind of, I don't even want to call it punk. It was, it was some kind of rock, you know, I don't even know how to categorize it, but sure. it was a lot of fun. We played, we would just get together and play every week. We probably played about two dozen shows in the central Jersey area. It was a lot of fun. Nice. Nice. Uh, for the New Jersey listeners, what were some of the places you were playing? Well, we played club Chrome, which has since closed. That was on 35 in South Amboy. We played Starlin ballroom. Oh, we nice. actually, yeah, we actually somehow, I don't know how we got this. It was our second show and they shoehorned us in to the opening band of the Big D and the Kids Table Streetlight Manifesto show. 
wow. uh, which was on my birthday in 2004. I don't know how we got on there. We were horrible. Uh, but <laughs> we were terrible. It's our second show. Uh, so we played there. We, we played a place called, oh, the state. Uh, it was in South Downbrook. It used to be an old rail car. It's not there anymore. We played that. We played um, you play a Club bowling- No. We played a bowling alley in uh, South Brunswick. We played um, Bloomfield at Hamilton Street Cafe. Hamilton Street Cafe We in um, Boundbrook. We played in Trenton on okay. Broad Street a couple of times. We played up in Harrison, New Jersey, up by Jersey City uh, at a VFW, a few shows there. So, I mean, we would go anywhere, you know, within like a two-hour radius. So you so you did get out of Jersey and play like New York maybe or, or no. small Jersey? Well, you know, we played, um, yeah, you know, I forgot. Thanks for reminding me. We actually played uh, CBGB's twice, but like months before it closed in 2006. Sure. The dying days of CB's on like weeknights. Nobody was there, you know? Sure. But, but we you still did. got to play it, man. Got I mean, to play I, it. I got to play. Uh, I got to play the whiskey and the Roxy nice. back in the day. And that was one of those things where it was like it was definitely on the downturn. And we were more like a alternative type of metal, like think like Alice in Chains type of vibe. But it was like mm-hmm. we're playing there. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. the heyday of it. But it's like I can I mean, I remember I remember playing there and looking across the street at the Viper Room, basically. <laughs> And just right. being like, wow, this is you hear about these things, you read about these things and you get to you get to do them. So it doesn't matter if you're playing on the weeknight. And there's no one there. I mean, you're still doing it. That's all that matters. Yeah. Um, one question I want to ask you, and it's, it's probably nice to talk not about wrestling at first. Right. And talk about yes. music. Right. Um, yeah. When you're doing when you're doing the show and, and, and this is something I want to touch on, because I don't think people realize how much production goes into a podcast if you do it right. Did your music training help you with production in terms of like, were you ever a sound guy? Were you ever, yeah. did you ever do any home recordings or did you, yeah. did you, you know what I mean? Those type of things. How much, tell the listeners how much that helped you with the production aspect of what you do with OVP. It definitely helped from a rudimentary standpoint, uh, standpoint because I was doing recordings uh, of my own stuff or, you know, covers of things probably since I got my first four track, which was the old Tascam Porta studio. Yeah. Um, I, one. I got that in like 97 when I was, when I turned 12. And so I made a lot of recordings on that. And then I got one of the bigger ones also Tascam. And I had that through my teen years and uh, eventually moved into digital recording. The thing that I still record on now, all the OVP shows, most people use the little zoom recorders or they just record on their computer. But because I had it, I have the zoom R eight. Um, multi-track recorder, you know, eight-track okay. recorder. I got that not for the show. I had that. I was doing music when we moved into an apartment once I got married and have my drum set anymore. So I needed something with a built-in drum set, or I wanted something with a built-in drum set. So I had that when we started the show. So rudimentary, you know, from, from a primitive level, it did help me because I already knew about using microphones and cables and mixers and things like that. But in the five, six years of doing OVP, I've definitely learned a lot through uh, research, through osmosis, trial and error, tinkering, you know, that technical term, tinkering. Well, you got to have somebody doing that, too, because I think one of the biggest turns off about listening to podcasts is the actual audio quality of them. You know what it I mean? It can be. You hear guys that sound like they're recording in their in their bathroom or yeah. the quality of the microphones. It, it makes a huge difference, I think, to getting the listeners into the show or not. So... Another question I got for you is, is OVP how you started podcasting or did you have a podcast before or was that the, was that the start of it? OVP was the first. Uh, that was 2016. Quinn, my co-host, uh, was after me to do a podcast since I want to say 2008 oh, wow. when we were in our early 20s. Uh, he listened to, for a long time, the first, I think it was one of the first, if not the first wrestling podcast or at least fan made one uh, called Smart Wrestling Fan, which is still going. And he was all about it. You know, this is, you know, 2008, 2009. He's like, we should do this. We should do this. I'm like, nah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And I got married eventually and blah, blah, blah. Uh, 2016, Quinn is going to be doing a podcast with a mutual friend of ours. They're going to try this out, right? And I said, you know what? Why don't you use my equipment? I have the equipment. I'll show you how to plug the mics into this Zoom thing and turn it on, blah, blah, blah. Um, But in order to test the equipment, we did like a five-minute demo called the Dino Bravo Sucks podcast. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) which I think I've played parts of on the show at at various points over the years. And, um, I realized, and he, he loved it. I was like, wow, we should do this. And that's how OVP started. So I had never, uh, even barely listened to a podcast, let alone done one. 
Wow. So you're just going in fresh, basically. You you know, you have no idea yeah. how they're kind of done. It's basically for the love of it. And and you bring up Quinn and you've been friends with Quinn, I mean, for a long, long time, right? Like like middle school or or yeah, like, eighth grade. Yeah. So I mean eighth a long, grade. long time. So I'm gonna ask you a question that'll be I think kind of interesting in terms of I think you'll get the question I'm asking you. How long before you started noticing the podcast chemistry gelling between you and Quinn? During that test episode. And you just knew. Yeah, because I've been talking wrestling with Quinn since 1999. It was just now we were recording it. Right. And, you know, you so. First, and when you were first doing it all, did it feel like it, nothing felt awkward? It just felt like just uh, two friends talking about wrestling? or The interplay between the two of us wasn't awkward. It is awkward. And I'm sure you can relate. And probably a lot of people listening could relate if they've ever recorded their own voice. There is a wave of self-consciousness that sweeps over over you, especially when you first start doing it. Uh, and it can be very, I don't know, I was very self-aware, like I'm talking into a microphone and people might, well, I didn't know who would hear it, but, you know, someone's going to hear this, my wife, somebody. So, but that went away quickly, you know, and you kind of just get used to it. Now, take us through the first year of podcasting. I mean, this is my first year doing this show but I co-host a basketball podcast that we've been doing for about three years. So it's like, I, I kind of know what that first year is like, but for a lot of people that don't understand what people put, you know, all the stuff that you put into for a podcast, take, take the listeners through that first year of, of OVP. Well, the first year, I mean, after the first episode, we decided, screw it. We're going to put it on SoundCloud and uh, just put it out there. And Quinn put it in a few forums and things like that. And we really honestly didn't expect much of anything. Uh, but within a couple of episodes, we noticed we had had over 100 people listening uh, to our, our first few. And, you know, some people chase that for years, and that's not their fault necessarily. It's just hard to to gain an audience, especially with uh, wrestling talk. It's just insanely saturated. And even back then it was. But um, so we, we, we were excited. We were like, wow, people are actually listening to this. And we, had, we started our Twitter account and didn't have very many followers. We didn't have our Facebook group yet. But we were just putting out episodes, and we did it because we really had fun doing it. Uh, so we would record one after the other, and we just release them once a week. But there was a period of time where we were three or four weeks ahead because we would get so excited, and we hadn't talked about any of this before, you know, like to to anyone else, you know what I mean? Only to each other. So it was very exciting, this, this thrill of, all right, we're going to, all these inside jokes that we've had for so long, we're going to actually get to speak them out there, and maybe people will like them. Uh, so anyway... We keep posting our episodes weekly, weekly, weekly. We've never missed a week uh, since October 2016. And we eventually hooked up with um, Place to Be Nation, who is a, um, and they're still going. I mean, they've been going for over 10 years. They do a, a ton of wrestling podcasts and non-wrestling podcasts. We got on their network and we kept our own feed, but we also sent them our episodes. And that really increased our, our reach. And a lot of people found us through them. We were on them for almost a year. We've always been thankful that they, they put us on. Uh, and that was really within our first year. And then we started doing some video here and there. We started this very casual 1982 live review thing that we did intermittently, which now has become our main show, which is crazy. We're almost in 1985 on that. Uh, and then by October, which would have been like the one-year anniversary, I knew that we, we were going to keep going. I mean, I, I almost, I still to this day take it almost year by year now right. where it's like when it comes up on the next year anniversary, it's like, all right, do I have more in the tank? Do I still want to do this? And the answer is always yes. Uh, but anyway, for 2017, that's when we decided to launch Patreon. We did not want to jump into that right away. We didn't want to be seen as money grubbing. I still don't because I'm not, you know, I'm really, really not. Uh, we just wanted to have an outlet for our additional content. And if people wanted to support us, so all within the first year, we got into a podcast network. We, we hopped off of it at the end of that year. Uh, we launched our Patreon. We saw our numbers, you know, probably quadruple from where they started, I want to say, by October of, of 17. I, I don't remember exactly, but something like that, maybe around 400 an episode by that point. And uh, we had our YouTube channel. And we had our Twitter. And the whole time, though, what we definitely had was fun. You know, I still do. It was a lot of fun doing it. How much preparation were you guys doing per episode? Because one of the things that you guys, I always love is that throughout the years, there'd always be new segments. Like, do you guys <laughs> text about that? Do you have meetings before you record? Like, like let's say, okay, this week we're going to do this new segment. Like, how, how, do you, how do you go about doing that? Okay, so 
I've, I've in, in my own mind, sometimes I've become Larry David um, when he was doing Seinfeld, meaning my, my life in a lot of ways is consumed by the show. I don't know if consumed is the right word, but I think about it a lot because I care about the show a lot that we do. And I want it to be good and I want it to stay fresh, which isn't always easy when you're talking sure. about 80s and 90s wrestling. There's only so many angles. So segment ideas generally uh, are things that I think about well before the end of the current season. I'm thinking, all right, what is next season's, um, what are we going to do? What, what is the segment going to be? Back when we were doing Royal Rankings and Royal Flush, it would be, okay, what is, what are we going to do for that? And I would either text Quinn or I, when I see him after we recorded something, I would talk to him about it. And he'd have ideas too. Mount Rushmore um, was his idea. And Death Valley was mine to add that. Royal Rankings was Quinn's idea. And uh, he's had uh, a million ideas that we've used. And sometimes we... Um, we ask the audience, you know, we ask on Facebook, give us some opening segment ideas. Uh, but as far as preparation per episode, did you also want to know that or? Yeah, just to get an idea, like, as I said, because, you know, everybody seems like everybody has a podcast, right? It seems right. like that's what happens nowadays, but I don't think people realize what's put into one, right? So when I listen to your guys' show and I, I listen to, I listen to a decent amount of podcasts nowadays because I do music for a living. So it's like a lot of times I don't want to do music when I'm, not doing music if that yeah. makes sense so oh yeah if i'm running or biking or whatever a lot of times there's a podcast in my ears not you know and i'll do stuff where i'll listen to other podcasts and go okay what would i do different here what do i like what don't i like um but i think with your guys's podcast the more i would listen to it the more i realize these guys are really prepared in a way you know when you call moves out and and you, you do reviews of shows i would start realizing I'm like you guys you guys are really putting some tlc into this show well, I appreciate First of all, I appreciate that. I really do. Uh, it's, that's nice to hear. Uh, the, the segments that we do, any se- pick any season, where we're just talking, like the opening segment, where it's just, here's our premise. There's no prep on that. I mean, it's literally just me talking to Quinn either the day of or a few days before, like, what do you think about doing this guy or this thing? And we just rely on what we already know. And that's kind of the point is it's a casual Conversation. Well, it's, I don't want, no, you know what? That's misrepresentative. It's not casual. I have an outline in my mind. And because I've been with Quinn so long, it personally, you know, just we've known each other so long, but also doing the show, he'll see where I'm going and he'll get there with me. Um, so we don't really need to talk about much. I'll, I'll lay it out with him if I have something specific. You know, I want to hit this or I want to hit this, but that's very rare. Normally, I just run with it and he's there. I mean, he, a credit to Quinn is he can just jump in anywhere I go. And, and he can meet me there. He's really, really, really good at that. Um, now, the Royal Rankings and things like that, when we were doing that, I mean, we did that for years, that segment. That was a situation where we had to at least know, if it wasn't something that we knew very well, I would brush up ahead of time. So, like, if we had to talk about a WrestleMania I hadn't seen in a long time, I might watch it or s- skim through it. I might look up stuff about it. Uh, we might have a list up if we're doing something that requires a list, you know what I mean? Or a match rundown, not rely on memory. That'd be silly. <laughs> but again, most of that is just a free flowing conversation that Quinn lets me steer and then he can jump in and add. To it. We just have a good flow. The reviews, <laughs> those are different. Uh, we used to do up until episode, whatever it was, 260, we did um, like, you know, 45 minute review at the end of every episode. And we still do the full pay-per-view reviews right now on patreon.com slash OVP podcast <laughs> on the $5 tier. Uh, those we watch separately. We each type up individual notes of everything that we see on the screen. Then usually the day of or the day before we record, I will take Quinn's notes. I will take mine and I will basically take, he does the play-by-play so I can follow where he is in his notes. Otherwise it would be, impossible. I use my play-by-play notes that I took and I take all of his color commentary, so to speak, and I dump it into mine and I bold them. And then when we record it, we just each have our monitors and we scroll through all of these notes. So Quinn knows where to jump in. um, And so we know where we are. Now that's not to say that every word we say in these reviews is scripted. Oftentimes we're getting well away from the notes and we do a tangent but then we hop back on and we try to make it seem as seamless as possible. You do a great job of it because Thank you. It, it took me a bit to figure it out. And then I started realizing I'm like, there's no way they're calling. And then I just go, Oh, they've definitely done some big prep on this. Um, 
You know, it's funny because when I listen slash watch, and when I say that, as I was definitely part of the audio group of the Canon when I first started, <laughs> um, uh, being on the West Coast, you know, I'd get it at nine o'clock, yeah. you know, instead of instead of midnight, right? Um, but it's funny because I can't remember when I started watching wrestling. So I started watching the video side of the Canon to see if my memory would start jogging going, all right, you know, is it this? Is it that? Do I remember this? Like, I, I remember, you know, I remember JYD. I remember Snook. I remember all these guys. But I'm thinking, was I watching in 82? Was I watching in 83? So I started watching the video part of it. Do you actually remember when you started watching wrestling? Do you actually remember, like, the first episode or the first, like, do you remember what month it was? Or, yeah. you know? I do because, uh, well, I mean, I had seen it on television in passing probably during, like, the probably like during 1990 or something like that, you know, 91, I knew who Hulk Hogan was. I knew who the ultimate warrior and the Macho Man were. Uh, and I even had Hasbro's before I watched wrestling. I think I just saw him at KB toys in the yeah. mall. And I was like, I want them, you know? So I had big boss man and I had Randy Savage Hulk Hogan, but I started watching late. I, you know, Quinn and I both started watching during a very odd time, which me was uh, June 94. Okay. Which who the hell starts watching wrestling during the new generation, you know, and Quinn was January 95, but, um, I was at, I used to go to a, um, like, a like a lady that watches kids during the day because your parents have to work like a daycare at someone's house. Um, in the summer 94 I did, and the kids there were into wrestling and they were like, Hey, did you see WrestleMania 10? I'm like, what is, what is that? You know? And they're like, did you, you want me to put you in the sharpshooter? I'm like, no, <laughs> yes, I swear. How about I give you the razor's edge? I'm like, no, I don't know what that is. Please don't. And, um, <laughs> But they had the magazine that had just come out, the June 94 magazine with Brett on the cover. He had won the title. And they kept talking about this WrestleMania 10. And we, um, we rented WrestleMania 9 first. And then I saw that first. And we eventually, I, I rented WrestleMania 10. But the first uh, programming I saw, I distinctly remember, it was either June or July of 94. And it was my memory is the Heartbreak Hotel with Lex Luger and Tatanka. Oh, wow. And Ted DiBiase during oh, wow. the you sold out angle. That was literally one of my first memories of watching the weekly on superstars. Wow. That's crazy. I, um, I remember watching WrestleMania one because you guys talked about this, which was funny. Um, a friend of mine had a huge satellite dish in his backyard and I, I'm almost positive it was on a Sunday. I'm not totally sure. Yeah, it was. And uh, we just turned it on. He's like, oh, WrestleMania is on. You want to watch that? And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. You know, and I, I remember watching that, and I remember watching it on, I want to say Channel Nine, I believe it was on, and, uh, and then you know they had all the different type of shows on, and uh, but I just cannot remember. So it's kind of been fun watching the canon, you know, to to plug the canon and to plug your Patreon because it's way well worth it. Um, it's really fun to see the progression of wrestling to yeah. see like how much video they're doing differently than when they yep. first come out in 82 to 83 84 and i and when i remember seeing it i'm almost positive i started seeing it in 84 i just have this weird feeling because i remembered like i remember snooker jumping off the cage but i don't think i saw that live right you know um i remember hulk hogan beating the iron sheik but i know i didn't see that live but I, i'm starting to have this memory like okay 85 84 85 i think is when i really started watching um so it's been really fun to go back and relive my childhood listening to these shows and hearing your guys's take because you guys are i think about eight eight years younger than i am so it's really funny to hear <laughs> the stuff where you don't like like what's this song and i'm like laughing yeah. i'm like i'm like they need to do a facebook live every once in a while where like you just have all of us in there to like you know talk right away about things that you're you talking about you know where you're like i don't know this and then somebody can just hit the chat real quick and this <laughs> that you know which <laughs> which cracked me up um a couple more questions i want to ask and i'll let you yeah. get out of here um when you listen back because i'm sure you listen to some of the shows that you've done and and critique you seem like that type of guy that you would do that what can you do better <laughs> what can you you know what i mean um what did you find any wrestlers that you really appreciated a lot more Oh, yeah. Like oh, after yeah. you started watching, watching, especially the canon, right? Like when you start watching it, because you were mostly a WWF guy, right? Almost exclusively. But I mean, watch WCW too, but yeah, WWF. Right, right. Because I remember growing up back east, we're both from Jersey. Um, 
TBS, you could you could get to see some of the old school wrestling. So you, you I knew who Ric Flair was sure. back in the day before, you know, like because I remember you've talked about that on the show. You know, and and I was one of those guys that always wanted to see Hogan and and Flair wrestle. Like sure. so I was in that, you know, you know where a lot of people maybe didn't think they knew, you know, by be such a draw. I've always heard that, you know, between Hogan and Flair and whatnot. But sure. is there guys that you watched on that on that canon, especially where you're like, this guy's way better than I realized, or this guy, like Snooka for me. When I watched a canon, I'm like, he's really not that good. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> yeah, but when right. I was like nine, I was like, he can jump off the top rope. He's amazing, right? Did yeah. you, have, you have some of those you can give me? Oh, Don Morocco is one that I just never – saw because the, the whole point just for any of your listeners you know is we're watching an era that we didn't ever watch the weekly t- tv of especially 82 to 86 you know i never w- watched any of that uh the weekly you know uh so like don morocco for example all i had really seen of him was what you would find on pay-per-view which is you know wrestlemania 2 3 and 4 and things like that but to see Don Morocco as maybe arguably the number one heel in 1983, if not the number two, um, and the promos he cut and how heads and shoulders above the rest that they were and how fun he was to watch and what a great character Don Morocco was. So that's one of them. Um, most recently, the Tonga kid, Tama, uh, yeah. who I never, you know, and he's somebody over the years too that I've just really grown to appreciate. Uh, his promos are great. He's great in the ring. Um Quinn and I developed a real love for Mr. Fuji, the wrestler, just because he does nothing, but he's yep. so the way he does nothing <laughs> is great. You know, just like, ah, and that'll be it. You know, he's just really, really fun. Um, no, no, no. Yeah. Snooka again, the opposite would be true there. Uh, like you said, slaughter slaughter. I liked more from watching the canon. slaughter, especially as a heel. I took a great appreciation for his heel promos. Uh, I had seen him as a heel before, but mainly the Iraq sympathizer version. Um, which is also very good. And I mean, there's a lot of teams um, or a lot of people, Power and Glory, uh, from doing our pay-per-view reviews. We took a great liking to them. And Barbarian is somebody I've really come to appreciate more. A lot of the stuff that the internet said was bad when I was growing up as a teenager, you know, on uh, the, the, all the smart you know, wrestling fans that would say wasn't very good. I've come to realize it's actually pretty fun and I really like and you're you're viewing it with different eyes as weird as that sounds yeah. right because you're older so it's like you're seeing things differently like promos for me promos are funnier as yeah. i'm older than when i was younger i think a lot of stuff maybe flew over my head but then you know the the chemistry between like you know bobby and and uh and gorilla you know yep. what i mean or like yep. listening to vince and jesse those oh, type God, of things. Yeah. I think yeah. I took those for granted when I was younger because when I was younger, I was just more rooting for the wrestlers and not realizing how good the commentary was. Absolutely. If, yeah. If, if that makes sense, you know? Sure. Um, what else did I want to ask you? There's, I mean, we could talk for hours because it's, I, I, like I said, I love the show and I, and I think it's, I think it's neat what you're bringing. Um, the new Canon, the raw that you're doing now. So you've moved, because the, the 84 almost into 85 now is the free show. Right? Explain yes. the show how it goes for people. So, because I have definitely a lot of friends that listen that are huge wrestling fans that probably oh. don't know about the show yet that will definitely know after they listen. So, explain explain what you guys offer. Okay, you know to people. So right now, what we're doing, and this is going to be the format for the foreseeable future, is every Monday in audio form. There's an opening segment which is like 30 minutes, and right now for this segment, we're doing like a versus series. We're pitting two things against each other so the episode that's out right now as of press time is a sting versus the ultimate warrior you know the battle of the blade runners but we also did earlier in the season like gorilla and bobby versus gorilla and jesse who's the better commentary team and basically quinn and i are each taking a side and we're discussing it and the opening segment changes every 10 episodes so that's going to change once we hit 281 Uh, but then after that no matter what 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 it is on audio or video form is the 1984 canon what that is, that started in 1982. We started in January of 82. The idea being, let's watch every week you know, of WWF television. Let's see this era that we've never seen before. Um, Quinn's idea was 82 because it's the year that Vince McMahon Jr. Uh, took over. So that's why he wanted to start there. We could have started at any year. That's where we started. So anyway, um, we live watch it. And if you're watching it on video, it's free on YouTube. You see us and you see the video, or you can just listen along. You hear the audio of the show. 
And some people are put off by um, what they call watch alongs, but I've always maintained this isn't a watch along in the sense that you have to sync it up, you know, on your end, you know, cause th- that's like a different style, you know, where you have to sync it up, you know, here's your countdown three, two, one sync. And then you have to watch it. This stands on its own. As far as I'm concerned, you can listen to this in your car and still understand what's going on. We do call what's going on the screen. And then we also veer off into other tangents when things get boring and then people yell at us for missing something Bobby Heenan said, <laughs> which is fine. But, uh, but we're just watching every episode. And right now we we're wrapping up November. Uh, so we'll be into December very shortly of 84. We're getting closer and closer to WrestleMania. Uh, and that's every Monday. That's the, so the audio version gets that opening segment, which is a produced segment where we'll do drop-ins and, you know, um, sound clips and things like that and bumpers and stuff. And then after that, it's just a live review basically of uh, WWF championship wrestling. That's the free show on Mondays. So it's, I, I love what you guys do with that. I love hearing about the obscure ones that you do. I mean, there's like, God, you're almost up to 500 episodes, I believe, you know, releasing the cannons on top of that. And, Including and, the cannons. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to go back and listen, like, you know, here in Florida championship wrestling, hearing, yeah. hearing, you know, UWF, all these, all these <laughs> obscure ones that you, you know, you wouldn't think to listen to you and, or, or hearing, Hearing, like you said earlier in in our talk, talking about what the smart wrestling fans would say was good or bad, you know, like Meltzer, you know, always saying that, you know, Gorilla was one of the worst announcers, which I cannot wrap my head around. Um, Watching Lord Alfred Hayes this season has been absolutely hysterical. The whole thing, (laughs) the whole thing with the Skittles thing (laughs) and just... It's just like, what? Skittles, yeah. (laughs) I just don't remember him being that, you know what I mean? It's It's... Very like awkward, you know, because I remember, you know, I'd get the I get the MSG, you know, because I had the MSG channel back in the day. So you'd get that wrestling. So I saw a lot of those house shows, you know, on the channel and and he would do some of them and, you know, or sometimes you'd, you'd, you know, you'd hear the Toronto feed or whatnot. And it was just interesting how different like Mean Gene, perfect example. Not a good commentator whatsoever. No. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> but but his interviews, his interviews are great, man. Even and oh, getting, the best. To see, getting to see all those bloopers. I mean, yeah. how cool. That's Richard Land. Yeah. Yeah. Give a quick shout out to Richard Land and tell the tell the audience what he does for your show. Yeah. So Richard Land is um, you know, the story of our involvement with Richard, I love it because before we even did OVP, uh Quinn and I used to and, and this maybe before the network, but it might've been during the network, but we were looking for stuff that wasn't on the WWE network at the time. And, um, we came across this YouTube channel called Richard land. And there were a bunch of other ones at the same time. Wrestling collector was one and George Redcorn. There were a bunch of them. And we all, we, 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 and I had this theory. This is all the same person under different channels, but this is really what we thought. And um, we really thought Richard Land was just another fake name, like all these other ones. We were like, oh, because it means Dick Land, right? Ha, 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 right? That's <laughs> swear that's what we thought. We we're like, Dick Land, we get it, ha. Huh? Anyway, the channel goes down because YouTube, you know, copyrights, blah, blah, blah. And we're a few months into our show. And I get, I, th- I want to say it was an email. Maybe it was a Twitter message. Richard would know. And we get it, and it's like, hello, my name is Richard Land, and I'm a big fan of your show. I really like your show, mate. And I'm like, holy shit, Quinn, it's Richard, it's Dick Land. It's Dick Land. It's Dick Land. <laughs> Did you tell him that too? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really my name. And uh, <laughs> it's not a fake name. And uh, so it turns out Richard Land was and still is legitimately one of the um, most comprehensive WWF tape collectors that I know that, that that's out there right now. He really, he's not the only one, obviously, but he is one of the uh, most prominent WWE take WWF at the time uh, tape collectors that there is. And he would start giving us obscure stuff to review. And he continued to do that. And then he would put together the cannons for us and more and more he would start putting in his little touches on the Canon video that he would prepare for us. And at one point I was like, look, Richard, do you want to uh, help me run the Twitter? Cause I, I run the Twitter and we started posting video clips a few years back. I remember so that. You, yeah. So can you help me out with this? And so he started um, ripping the clips for me and I would write the captions, you know, he would send me the clips, put them in Google drive, whatever. 
And he still does that with gifts. He'll rip the gifts for me and then I'll, I'll write the captions for him. And I've been very happy that we've been able to, to be working with them. I mean, we do, he is part of the OVP, uh, Patreon, um, profit sharing plan, you know, for anyone that we're not taking advantage of Richie, you know, he is included in that, uh, because he's done such a great job for us and, and he's right now working for ad free shows as well. Um, oh, nice. which when he told me that I was so happy for him, because if there's anybody that can't be a nicer guy, a more loyal guy, a really wonderful guy. Um, so I'm very happy for that, but thankfully Richard assured me that he will not uh, stop working for us. And <laughs> so far he's held true to that, but yeah, he is a big help. I mean, he, he really is a big help. It's amazing what he scores too. Like the, the audio stuff that he's, that he just yep. scored just a couple weeks ago, which yep. no one ever thought they'd ever hear. I mean, you know, all the shows like the missing shows, you know, that he just, it, it, I can't even imagine how, I mean, was he a tape trader back in the day? And oh, yeah. He accumulated a lot of his stuff, basically, yeah. and then just transferred it all digital, essentially? That's exactly what it is. I believe we did in 2019 or 20, and people can search for it. It's called uh, Wrestling Tape Trading with Richard Lamb. We did a special with him, audio and is it video? I think it's video also. Wrestling Tape Trading with Richard Lamb, and we actually talked about his whole backstory with that. And we like to have him on uh, you know, every few months as a guest just because he's – fun and dry and british and it's just like a nice counterpoint to me and quinn um, mushy, but yeah mushy peas mushy, mushy peas mate you don't have them <laughs> and um just a great a great guy i'm a big fan of richard uh he's really been a help he makes my life a hell of a lot easier and he's the reason that we have the um the canon the way that we do you know versus it just being kind of here's the show maybe if you can find it you know richard has it you know it's a lot easier to get uh, so, and, and same thing with Rob, we're doing the Monday Night Raw canon on Patreon. He's given us the original broadcast versions versus us using the Peacock version, which is cool. You know? Which is awesome. And, and to the listeners that don't know, a lot of the music rights are lost and they don't want to pay for them again. So yeah. when you do watch some of those shows, they might feel a little weird to you realizing like, wait, I don't remember this music. I don't remember yeah. this theme music. And that's, that's one of those big things. So to get it in that actual form is really cool because it's how it tended it to be, to be honest with you, right? Absolutely. Plus, there's uh, the commercials on the versions that he's been giving us, which I love 90s commercials. Big, big aficionado of those. So it's a lot of fun. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Uh, it's the last one about the Pepmo Bismol was cracking me up. <laughs> it's just... It's so funny, man, like hearing you guys talk about stuff where I'm like, no, that's not that, you know, know. and just and waiting for somebody because the Facebook group is huge for you guys, too. I think, you know, it really it really brings the show. It really makes it feel more like a community. And to be really honest with you, I've been I've been in it for a couple of years, I believe. Um, and I don't remember how I found your guys' show to begin with, to be honest with you. But um, it it's, it's like one of the few ones that where it doesn't turn into like a shit show. Like, that's it, been, it, yeah, you know. That's been something that we've been adamant about, and that's not, you know, we don't really take that lightly. I mean, we're, we're nice, but, you know, like we, we mean that because my mentality and Quinn's mentality is that whether you are a casual fan, you know, some people only watched a little bit in the 80s, and they're like, oh, I remember that, I remember that, you know, and they don't care about all the ins and outs and all the details, you know, they don't care. You know, their favorite wrestler might be somebody that sucks, quote unquote. Or whether you're somebody like a Richard Land who really knows the ins and outs and the history, or uh, we have a, a bunch of people that know way more than I do on there. Seriously, um, we've wanted the place where no matter what, everyone can just talk about stuff and and not treat each other like dicks. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly. I mean, what a, what a concept, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's so rare out there, it, especially with wrestling. It's just so. Uh, not vile. I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it could just be so hateful sometimes. It's very like uh, very like alpha male. I know more than you yeah. because of this and that. And and to me, I I love coming to the boards because it's like to me, I just always feel like I learned something that I didn't know or you yeah. know I see a different perspective of people that are younger that will watch this stuff and go you know because I never got to watch the older stuff because you know, there wasn't YouTube and those type of things. So you yeah. maybe I would hear about Bruno San Martino, but by the time I saw him was like, what, 85, 86, where he's wrestling Macho Man. I'm like, right. who is this guy? Like, why yeah. is this guy so revered? And then you learn the history later on and you kind of realize, oh, that's why that guy was such a big deal. 
Yeah, and that's kind of the take we've always we've always had on our show is we never pretended to know more than anybody or be experts about anything. What what we know, we know, and what we don't, we don't. I mean, whatever. Who who cares? You know, there's a point. Like I like when people tell me things I don't know. I don't mind, you know, and that's that's been the the ethos for the group basically is, you know, bring your questions, you know, bring bring your opinions, a- ask things that you don't know. It's fine. That's speaking, the way I look at it. Speaking of opinions, Give me uh give me something you'll die on a hill for that a lot of people won't. In terms Bret Hart. Of Bret Hart is better than Shawn Michaels. Oh, Quinn's gonna love that if he listens to this. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> give me give me another one. Give me give me one because you I I mean for the, the listeners that don't know, you're a huge Bret Hart fan. He's like the guy that got you into wrestling, basically. So he give is, me yeah. give me one that people wouldn't expect. That would be like wow, that's. That's a um, being entertained is more important than the amount of moves that are done. And maybe that's not that controversial, but you know, that's especially the older I've gotten. I mean, when I was in my teens and twenties, it was like work rate, work rate, work rate. You know, I don't know. I just, the older I get now, I'm closing in on 37. I just want to like, like what I'm watching, whether it's to be fun or whether it's like captivating, engaging, you know, it could be serious, you know, and still be entertaining. Uh, it could be a blood feud and still be entertaining. But that to me is more important than what is perceived as quote unquote good wrestling. Uh, and I don't mean to look down upon that anyway, but you know what I'm saying? I just want to have fun and be entertained with what I'm watching. Absolutely. Um, do you smile when you watch your videos? Like the, do you like when you, when you watch like, uh, cause you know, the one I loved is when I listened to the MSG show where Schnooker drop, jumps off the cage and oh, yeah. everybody thinks that was like, it, that was actually after the match was over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which people didn't realize, but you guys were so excited about that while you watched it. It was like for a, a listener, a fan of your show, it's really cool to see, how excited you get about certain things, like if a jobber wins or certain jobbers <laughs> you like, like it's, it's really, really cool. Is there any specific memory of something you watched where you went, wow, this is like, besides that thing I just gave, like what's so something just like, wow, I can't believe how historic that actually was at that moment. You're, you are rewatching it or maybe watching it for the first time. While doing the show, you mean? Like yeah, while doing a yeah. cannon or something like that? Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time we saw uh, Johnny Rods win. That was that was great. And it's something so stupid. You know, Johnny Rods won in a, a squash match. Or when um, when Chief J. Strombo did the, the dance and then it turned into the knee and all that for the first time. That was way back in 82. I think that's when they won the tag titles from Fuji and Saito. That was cool. Uh, you know, Hulk Hogan coming out was a big deal. Cindy Lauper making her first appearance on Piper's pit was we, we couldn't wait to do that episode. We could not wait to see Cindy. We love the Cindy run and Wendy Richter then being with her and stuff like that. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff. I can't think of any more specifics off the top of my head right now, but it's been so much fun doing these live watches and, and getting engrossed in what's going on and ignoring the stuff that we find boring. <laughs> and, and well, it's great too, because you'll say something like you'll be talking and you'll go, we're still in an arm lock. Just for the listeners, like which always cracks yeah. me up. You, just, just to give us a little, like you know, oh yeah, yeah. It's still it's still a you know reverse chokehold right now. So right, yeah, for those of you on the audio, there's nothing happening here. They're walking around the ring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Headlock. Orndorff still taking off his jacket. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stuff like that, which always makes me laugh. Um, anything, Quinn? Can you guys change each other's minds a lot? You see that happen in terms of like, cause I know, you know, the whole chief J thing is there. Any, <laughs> and, and like, I don't think Quinn will ever love or respect Dino Bravo. Is no. there, is there any, anyone that any wrestler you think you could change Quinn's mind on now that uh, you've been in, <laughs> in a couple of years? Well, I mean, to peel back the curtain a little bit, we're, we're, we play up our likes and dislikes more for the sake of the cameras and the microphone. I'm not going to lie. And that's to be entertaining. I mean, there is a, a little bit of performance goes into what we do. We don't care as much. I, I hate to say this, but we don't care as much as we let on, you know, and sometimes we have an argument for the sake of the listeners to be entertained. Cause in my mind, that's more entertaining than just being like, yeah, you're right. That's good. Okay. And then what do we talk about? You know? So we really ratchet it up and some people don't get that. And they think that we're really 
you know, this passionate and angry about each other's opinions, but we're not. It's a show. Uh, <laughs> but, but I did finally get Quinn to come around on Power and Glory uh, during the pay-per-view review canon. He really started to appreciate them. So that's a, a victory for me. Uh, he got me to come around on Mr. Fuji, the wrestler. He got me to come around on Chief J Strongbow, although I still pretend to deny it. Uh, he, <laughs> um, he kind of got me to realize some things about like Mr. Perfect on pay-per-view, you know, the pay-per-view version. I'm still working on him with IRS. I think I'll get there eventually because uh, <laughs> I don't mind IRS that much and he hates him. Bravo, I don't know. Dino Bravo might be a lost cause, but yeah, I mean, we, um, I don't know we're not as extreme in our opinions as we actually let on. And since this is not an OVP show, I I'm happy to admit that, you know, like I don't hate Shawn Michaels. I, I do that for, I don't like him as much as Brett clearly, but <laughs> I don't right. hate Shawn Michaels. I just love taking shots at him for Quinn's sake, you know? Well, yeah. Cause you it's guys play off, you play off each other so well when you do that type of yeah, stuff too, especially, especially you guys been friends for as long as you have been. Um, last question besides plugging the show and whatnot, where do you see where do you see OVP in the next year or two? I know you say you take it year by year, but is there any goals that you guys have with the show? Well, one thing I know for sure is that we want to definitely get through all of 93 for Raw. That's like we're in February right now, so we have a, a long time to go. I'm not saying we're not going to do 94, but I'm just taking it, you know, year by year. So we definitely want to make sure we hit all of 1993 because that'll be almost a year from now we'll see where we're at then uh and if we're still going strong and then people are still into it mo most importantly then we'll get into 94. with the canon i'm very excited for 1985 to start you know in the next uh six eight weeks whatever six weeks i guess it'll be that'll be a lot of fun i'm still undecided if i want to maybe treat the fans to a live canon version of the first wrestlemania I know I said we weren't going to, but it might be good for uh, just for historical purposes since we've made it all this way. You know, we have our, our main pay-per-view version of it, you know, the detailed review. Yeah. But it might be fun to do a watch along. This is probably the first Quinn is hearing from that. Hi, Quinn, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it is only two hours. It's only two hours, Quinn. We could do it. Uh, so that's an idea. We have another idea in the works. I don't want to say anything about it, but uh, we do have something in mind that if we do it, it probably won't be until the new year, but there is something cooking. Um, but I don't want to give anything away in case it doesn't happen. I don't want to show my cards yet, but we do have a, a whole new idea for something that might launch in January 23. We'll see what happens with that. Other than that, I mean, we're going to be making it to episode 300 uh, by the end of the year, wow. which is a huge milestone. Yeah, I know. And that's numbered episode. Obviously, we have a lot more than that. Uh, that'll be over the six year mark for us. So even if we stop there, which we're not. We're not, we're not, we're not. But even if we, <laughs> even if we stopped there, that's a body of work that I'm proud of. You know, I'm content with that. We've done it as long as we have and people like it. We're not stopping. Um, we'll still be there, but I'm just saying it's really, I don't have any goals other than every, every, literally every week before something comes out, whether it's the raw cannon, whether it's the, the Monday show or whether it's, um, our pay-per-view review once a month. I am so excited to hit that post button or for it to be released because I know that there's people that look forward to it. And that legitimately above anything else, above any money that we've made on Patreon, any wrestlers that have followed us on Twitter or any of that, the most gratifying thing is that people look forward to this stupid show that we do about old wrestling and they care enough to listen every week, to comment about it. Many of them are so generous to support us financially. That is still, that is my goal. If I can keep doing that every week, then I'm content. That's awesome. And that's a great, it's a great way to put it. I mean, I love your show. I've said it a couple of times. Yeah. Um, promote Thank the you. Facebook uh page too sure. also because i think that's a great thing if if people listen to the show listen to a couple of episodes i think it's a great thing to be a part of yeah so if quinn were here he'd probably say it's at facebook.com slash eric but uh <laughs> but, but uh at on our our facebook group can be found our vantage point retro wrestling podcast you hit the join button kaflui tubes or kaflui and um all we do is ask you to agree to one rule which is don't be a dunderhead 
And like uh, I was saying earlier, it just means don't attack each other about your wrestling opinions. You know, there's close to 1400 people in it right now. Wow. And yeah, it's, it's really been great. That was Quinn's idea, by the way, the group, and it really worked. And the point of the group, I mean, there's show announcements are on there, you know, and people discuss the show on there, obviously. But beyond that, I mean, people are welcome to post anything that relates to retro wrestling. And we really, we tolerate a lot of retro pop culture stuff as well. You know, uh, we don't really talk about current wrestling. We're a retro show and that's what we want to focus on. Occasionally, you know, we'll, we'll tolerate that. But retro wrestling and retro pop culture stuff is, um, is mainly what we do there. And we really try to have, um, like I said, an environment where, you know, we know not everyone's going to agree. But at least if you're not going to agree, just don't descend into madness about it. You know, that, and people, for the most part, really haven't over the f- five years we've had the group. They really, really haven't. It's very rare. So that's our group. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm there. So check it out. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And I'm, I'm glad you're plugging that because I think it's something people should check out if they enjoy the show. And I think they will, to be honest with you. If you're a retro wrestling fan, if you remember the 80s and the 90s, you will absolutely love the show. And the good news is if you're first getting into this from my podcast, there's so many episodes you can listen to from back. You know, I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. And they cover so much. You guys cover so much stuff. I mean, there's so many different, you know, AWA, NWA, WWF, like in the archives, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of that stuff also could be found on uh, the, the Secret Vimeo channel, right? And then yes. YouTube and... yes. You know, so plenty of places to find you guys, man. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see how much your opinions change on Beefcake... Uh, when you see him partner with Valentine. Well, I like Greg Valentine, despite Quinn's, uh, you know, <laughs> recent accusations of him being a bootleg Ric Flair. Um, I am a big Greg Valentine fan, so we'll have to see how that goes. <laughs> and the Johnny V managing, because it's Johnny V, not to, not to break kayfabe, but Johnny V managed them for, I think, the title run, right? And then, Oh, he did, yeah. Yeah, so. Oh, yeah. Joe, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I really, sure. really appreciate it. Any last thing you want to plug before I let you out of here? No, I just want to thank you, Eric, for having me on here. It's very kind of you. I pre- I looked it up, and man, you've been a, a patron of ours for a really long time. You give more than you need to, so thank you for that. That really is sweet of you, and uh, I want to reiterate that, that you know it's nice to be supported, um, and I never take that for granted, and that includes you, so really thank you very much, but if anyone listening has not been annoyed by the sound of my voice and you want to hear it more, uh, <laughs> OVP podcast on Twitter, you can find us there for daily wrestling gifts. And um, other than that, it's our vantage point retro wrestling podcast. We have a show every Monday and Monday night raw reviews on our Patreon, patreon.com slash OVP podcast and merch. Oh Talk- yes. Nice yes, shirt, merch. by the way. We do have merch. Uh, that's uh, our Teespring store, which is not called Teespring anymore. So just search OVP Podcast Teespring and you'll find it. We have shirts. Awesome. Hey, man, thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah. Be safe out there and uh, looking forward to the next episode dropping. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. 